0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Becoming Man Podcast. I'm Dr. Anthony Melke here with Marshall McElhaney. Howdy, Anthony. Marshall, it's podcast day.
1: It's podcast day.
0: What is this, about take 5 of our intro? <laughs> At least. A <laughs> <laughs> little, little insight into the uh, the process. I get a little jittery before yeah. these things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I do. We have a little fun, I think. We have a little fun.
0: Yeah, I um. I get so serious. I get, I get so intense. Honestly, leading up to last week's episode, um, you got to see it a little bit mm-hmm. when we at the day of. I was so intense about it, just mm-hmm. thinking about it so much. I'm feeling more relaxed about today, though. I'm feeling better. Good. How about you?
1: I felt great last week, but no, that's good. Yeah, I also yeah. Uh, you know have a different method of preparing for these than you do yeah.
0: it's probably a better one
1: <laughs> it's definitely different which is
0: just chilling
1: <laughs> but trusting the process but we have big
0: podcast news anthony big podcast news someday mm-hmm. hopefully in the near ish future we'll have music
1: give the people what they want
0: a lot of the feedback, as far as the quality of the podcast and the production, which we appreciate, is we need some music. So mm-hmm. um, steps have been taken, and hopefully in the next I don't know few episodes we'll will have a nice little soundtrack coming in and out.
1: Any hints on to who this this musician is?
0: To be announced at a later date. It's Gregory Allen. Got it. <sighs> Pretty close. <laughs> Good. <laughs> pretty close um so yeah today um is a pretty uh relaxed agenda i'm feeling a little more calm um because of my lack of calmness we haven't gotten to some fan feedback mm-hmm. and questions yep so maybe we can start off with the question that was uh that we had for last week and we weren't able to get to from jeff
1: Sure. So Jeff has a two-part question here, Anthony. All right, part one. How should we understand the relationship between questions of meaning and purpose to mental
0: health? Say it one more time.
1: How should we understand the relationship between questions of meaning and purpose to mental
0: health? So when I... um, When I think about um, meaning or or purpose in life, uh, obviously that's a big question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And obviously things like values, belief systems, um, experiences, how you make sense of the world, that all comes into it. Mm -hmm. And I think as as far as mental health goes, um, well, I'll back up. Start with a story. So when I had my master's, uh, when I was getting my master's degree, um, I had been I came out of a philosophy program. I majored in philosophy, and uh, one of my frustrations with philosophy was we have all these big pie-in-the-sky ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean to exist? How do we know what we know? Does God exist? If he does exist, can we know? If he does exist, is he a he? You know, yeah. just all of these things. Sure. Um, but I, I struggled to find the connection between all of the big questions and daily life, mm-hmm. which is really why I got attracted to psychology. Um, when I started studying psychology, we were talking about daily life what was healthy what wasn't healthy what was good what wasn't good Mm -hmm. Um, as therapists how we should help people all those things but we weren't answering any of the big questions Mm -hmm. so I remember sitting in some of my classes and and uh just be like but Okay, we can say this and this and this about health. You know? mm-hmm. um, this is what healthy sex looks like, or this sure. is what healthy communication looks like, or um, this is what a healthy, healthy understanding of, uh, since we're doing a men's podcast, uh, masculinity and femininity and everywhere in between looks like. Mm hmm. But coming from the philosophy world, I was like, but what if our clients don't agree with that? Mm-hmm. Um, what if they have a different perspective? What if what we're saying in psychology doesn't, doesn't even jive with how they think of the world? Um, and I was, uh, you know, going back to last week's episode where we were talking about how to think about masculinity is it is it something that just is you know because you're born male then Mm -hmm. you you are uh innately masculine and being masculine means you do these certain things in a certain way around certain people sure or is it fluid and socially constructed and all of the things that um, a different school um a different group would talk about Mm -hmm. gender and masculinity um I struggled with that. I struggled with who we might be missing or what we might be missing if we um, just assume that the worldview that we as therapists are are talking from, I guess, are talking about. Mm-hmm. I struggled with um, the idea that what if what if people don't agree with that worldview? Um, what do you do about that? And I, I realized... A lot of times we didn't even really talk about the worldview that was being, uh, that was kind of implicit in what we were learning about doing therapy. Um, so, my uh, final master's project, in addition to like the thesis, writing about masculinity, all that stuff, mm-hmm. I also had to talk about um, how I wanted to do therapy. And for those of you outside of the therapy world, there's theories that we use. Um, so, talks about how we see problems, how we think about solutions, and the kind of questions we ask. Um, in the first part of that part of my paper, I was just ranting about how we didn't talk about these questions. Shocking. Shocking, right? <laughs> what? Um, no way. But Yeah, I, I was just like, we need to be talking about sort of like the kind of assumptions we're saying about what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. Um, and since I was interested in masculinity I was really interested in the value statements around um, feelings expressing feelings is good not expressing them is bad Um, being vulnerable with your thoughts and feelings is good not being vulnerable with them is bad Mm -hmm. what else just those certain Types of things, you know, right? Black and white. Yeah, black and white, and uh, hierarchy. Like this is good, this is good, this is bad, this is bad. Um, And I I wanted to be able to talk about okay, what what does it mean when we label things good or bad? Um, So that's that's what I did. And that thread kind of kept going through my studies and my practice. Like, what are we saying about what it means to be human when we're teaching? You know, now as a professor, I think, what are we saying about what it means to be human when I teach students a theory of therapy, you know? Mm -hmm. If I teach sex therapy, for example, what am I saying about what it means to be human when I say this and this and this is a good idea in sex therapy? Um, That comes from a commitment to this idea that What we do in therapy is intimately connected to how people see themselves in the world Mm -hmm. period Mm -hmm. Um, So Circling back to Jeff's question. I think When people are struggling with questions of meaning and purpose in their life, I think um, Oftentimes that can present as a significant mental health issue uh, it can present as depression which is more than just feeling sad it's feeling sad without hope maybe yeah. feeling sad without feeling a an, an end in sight mm-hmm. um, it's a physical experience it's an emotional experience and it can be a spiritual experience yeah we just don't see a way out. Um, uh, Reference episode two, for those of you that haven't listened to it for a more in-depth discussion around suicide and depression, those sorts of things. Um, Anxiety. Um, can, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I try
1: my here real fast? Yeah. <clears throat> Just to, to add on to your depression dialogue here. You know, this is a conversation I have with um, clients, especially teenage clients and their families all the time. Depression, sadness can look very different, to at different ages. Um, I mean we've referenced uh, at least I think in an episode if not we are doing it now and I'm sure we'll talk about it again but like Terrence Reel's work um, what is that one book Overcoming Depression or Male Secret Legacy of Depression I don't want to, don't talk, want to about talk about it there we go I don't want to talk about it the so, secret legacy of Yeah.
0: Terence Real is a therapist and researcher who mm-hmm. has a great book called I Don't Want to Talk About It um which is about men and depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: In that book, I mean, he talks about this a lot, connecting men's anger and despair, not just, I mean, when I hear sadness, I think, you know, mm-hmm. crying and, and feeling very down in the dumps, but mm-hmm. it can look different for different people. Uh-huh. Um, so keeping that in mind when we're talking about these type of things as well, it's, yeah. it's much yeah. bigger than just what your initial, you know,
0: um, yeah.
1: intake is of, of the emotion.
0: And depression looks different in males than females. Yep. Um, our standard stereotypes of depression are probably more connected to, to the female presentation mm-hmm. of depression. Sad. Lethargic. Yeah. Whatever stereotypes you want to throw out there. Uh, male depression often shows up in irritability. Yeah. Um, it can show up in... in uh, how do I put this it's 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 like the uh, abuse of power is too strong a word but it's the uh, the use of power in order to uh in, man this is hard I want to say in order to displace responsibility for their actions mm-hmm. and put it on other people or situations uh, it's scapegoating or something like yeah. that you know it can look like Again, lethargy, being super down, low. But anger and irritability is one of the biggest signs. Yeah. Um,
1: Same with teenagers, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, getting back to the question, meaning, purpose, and mental health. So often um, when uh, people come to therapy, they do experience you know, a stressor. You know, something's going on, loss of job, clinical depression that's more biologically based or their, their chemistry in their bodies is making it happen. Um, dealing with traumatic events of the past that they can't get over, things like that. Um, but those sorts of things can shake us to our core. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had a panic attack?
1: I don't think so, but maybe.
0: They're terrible. Yeah. I've had three that I can identify when they happened I was, I was like, oh my lord what is happening to me yeah my heart was beating out of my chest uh just like my body was filled with energy my mind was racing beyond control these these were years ago like 2015-16 f- was the last time I went through anything like this um but they shook me to my core yeah. because it sort of challenged this idea that I had a contr- I had like a handle on my uh, life mm-hmm. or my being in the world. I was just, the first one I had, I was driving home from work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I didn't, didn't really see it coming. I had a hard day and I was just feeling a little down in the dumps and all of a sudden, whammo, you know, there was. The, f- experiencing things like depression, anxiety, Symptoms of trauma that hasn't been dealt with yet. They can shake you to your core. Mm-hmm. Um, also, people come to therapy a lot or, or don't. People, let's say struggle more. Let's put it that way. People struggle more at life transitions too. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of young men who are emerging adults. 18, 19, all the way to like 28, 29. Who they were good all through high school. It was fine, but then they had a transition in their life, and they got stuck. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, you know, mm-hmm. um, too many options, couldn't make up their mind, too much pressure that they felt to succeed, all all, all sorts of things. Yeah. But inevitably, the big questions like, "Why am I here? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Um, does pursuing anything?" really make sense doesn't matter doesn't matter yeah all of it gets wrapped in rarely in therapy though do we um i don't say rarely not often do we explicitly say like so what's your meaning in life
1: maybe i'm doing it wrong (laughs)
0: Uh, i do it gently
1: i think i'm a little more bold
0: i do it gently um. Only because it's such a big question. Yeah. That I realize the growth area for me is I've I've been thinking about this since as long as I can remember. Yeah. Why am I here? And not everybody's there. Yeah. You know. Um. But I know the experience of finding a meaning and a purpose and a value in your life uh, is incredibly healing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a perfect segue into the second part of his question.
0: I'm going to say one more thing quick. Okay. And then we'll segue. Um, You know, we talked about uh, the rate of suicide in farmers. Mm -hmm. I would guess that part of that... um, Part of what we're talking about now, Mm -hmm. like feeling like you have a place in the world, feeling like you're going to make it, feeling like you matter... um, feeling like what you're doing is meaningful in whatever way you define that, whether it's making money, whether it's being able to sustain your family or all of that, whether it's feeling valued in your... yeah, Even in the national dialogue, feeling valued, you know? I think if those things are missing, uh, it's a lot harder to find a reason to push through really difficult things. Yeah. Um, a lot of what... Um, I've read or experienced around feelings, you know, suicidal thoughts and depression. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of that involves this some, kind of this central belief that your existence, you being in the world, is a burden on the people you love. Mm. That's one of the. That's one of the more. Um, I mean, it's it's all so intense, but that's one of the big signs that. Uh, someone's in real serious trouble is if yep. they have this deep belief that they're a burden on the people they love And so it's an act of love right to not be here anymore, right
1: and um, not to reach out
0: And not to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. This idea of being a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I Know you had a few stories that you wanted to throw in I'm just gonna pull back for a second and even go back to what we were talking about around the changing dialogue around masculinity from last week. Um, something that I've seen in the men that I know, inside and outside of my professional work, whether it's been they've said it to me, or I've just picked up on it, is that maybe uh, their burden. And unwanted or undesirable in society in general. Mm. Um, maybe the time their time of relevance is up. Mm. Um, and I, to be honest, I've had those questions myself. Um, you know, I believe it's important to me for me to be a father to my kids, and uh, you know, a, a male healer. Mm-hmm. as a therapist um, and there's a big story around that and probably not for today um, like I don't, I, don't, I don't question that but I have questioned it in the past when I feel like I can't do um, when I can't bridge the gap between uh, what I see as my ideal as a man and as a human loving, present, connected uh, open and vulnerable to my wife, you mm-hmm. know, uh, totally present to my kids. What I have is my ideal, and then what I feel like I'm able to do in reality, it's easy for me to lock into, well, gosh, I just don't have it in me,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: And, and in my, uh, the, 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 the parts of my life where, when I get a little more uh, down on myself, it's, well, look at what you value. You know, you value all this stuff that's outside of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And look at the burden, Mm -hmm. you know, that your dreams have cost or have put on the people you love. That's intense. Yeah. But But I'm not the only person that, I know I'm not the only man, and I don't, I I haven't talked about this with women, Mm -hmm. and so I'm not saying it's an exclusively male thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know I've talked to a lot of, uh, men, actually, never mind. I have talked to it, uh to a few women about it, and I know that pursuing individual dreams can come with a lot of a sense of being a burden yeah um, period mm-hmm. but I experience it as a male and I, and so I connect it to um to my masculinity in a lot of ways. my identity as male
1: mm-hmm. um, How much does that connect with your identity of being a father
0: uh quite a bit, yeah. You know, we're, uh, when we were talking about the stigma of, uh, around mental health and sort of the changing attitudes towards it, I definitely stand in the gap between somebody who believes that mental health is important, therapy is valuable, um, pushing against like not being emotionally available, not being connected, being mm-hmm. open with my feelings. Like, I believe that and I practice it as a therapist, I teach it as a professor, I try to live it as an individual, but there's like something deep inside me that pushes against it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, which is, it can be human, you know, it's risky to, mm-hmm. to be vulnerable, but as a, uh, as a father in particular, I feel so much pressure mm-hmm. um, to be different, to fill the gaps that I perceived in the generations before me, mm-hmm. you know, but also, um, you know, I, I connect with those uh, long standing ideas of the, the, of being a provider I and mean, that being connected to mm-hmm. being a father and a man in general. Yeah. I like to think that if I lost that, of not being a provider, I'd be okay. I'm not sure if that's true, though. <laughs> really, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you a story?
0: You don't even have to ask. You can just do it.
1: It's a habit, man. Oh, any yeah. of my clients that listen,
0: they'll are like, "Oh yeah, that sounds like Marshall." And asking questions, yeah. of course. Yes please. yes, please,
1: I'm gonna tell you a story.
0: Thanks, Marshall. Oh, you're welcome.
1: <clears throat> you know, talking about this, this. Uh, burden of of being a dad I mean that's you were talking about it and it just resonate resonated with me at a pretty deep level um, that hit me so hard about halfway through grad school because I mean it was it was my adventure into you know a quest mm-hmm. um, but I also could sense the toll and the amount of energy it would take to you know pull that off um, and to watch that happen like I, I have two little girls and one was just a wee little baby when I started grad school. Um, but like we learn about things, we talk about legacy in our first episode, mm-hmm. you know, one of the legacies that I want to leave for my kids is I want to leave, um, I want to leave them in a spot where they can have healthy relationships and know what a healthy relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. And as therapists, and I'm sure we'll get into this in another episode, I'm not going to try and do a deep dive right now. That starts at a really early age with your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I could see how it was affecting my youngest one. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to continue to, you know, push for those goals like we're talking about, while also being aware of the burden that it's laying on my family. Um, I and mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I talked with my individual therapist mm-hmm. about this, you know, guilt and, and feeling of of, you know, my choices affecting my kids um, mm-hmm. and not even in like a, a, a mean way just mm-hmm. felt selfish yeah, um, yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I connect with that really really deeply um, I've always been interested since I was in the professional world um, in the dialogue around meaning and identity and professional life yeah. um, I, I realized very early on that I was not somebody that could live a good life um, while doing a job that I wasn't passionate about yeah. um, which honestly was one of the biggest driving motivators for me to get my doctorate yeah. that felt selfish to me kind of still does you know in a lot of ways um, and there was a lot of sacrifices that happened my family, my wife, my kids even though they probably didn't know it hmm. you know they didn't know that 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 was a, a I think they're going to look back and probably see like we, sacri- we lost time with dad mm-hmm. because of his dreams you yeah. know Whoa! Like, how do you how do you manage that? Um, or I I think about that often, and again, I have my ideals in, in the ideal version of myself. Uh, but I remember, it became a value of mine. I would do most of my master's and doctorate work um, at night. Mm-hmm. Everybody would go to bed, and I'd go into my office, um, and. It was not uncommon for me to be up till 12, 1, 2 in the morning, writing, reading, yeah. um, doing all the stuff that I had to, especially for my doctorate. Um, or working late nights, teaching at universities as an adjunct. and Just, you know, all the stuff. It was really intense. I'm sure people out there have gone through grad school with families that are listening. Um, but I always used to tell my kids... Uh, when they would have a hard time with me leaving I'd say you guys I always come back
1: yeah
0: I'm always going to come back um, and that that became such a value of mine and I wanted to put I wanted to like have that uh, for my kids to know and to hear and to yeah. believe and to experience but it was also for me if yeah. I'm going to be honest like that was I told myself that when I wouldn't see them for bedtime. Yeah. I'd be like, they are gonna see me in the morning, because I always come back. Yeah. Always come back. Always come back. Um. And so, it, yeah, talking about legacy, I think about like, what am I gonna, what do I want to pass on to them? What is my, uh, what is my, you know, this goes back to the first or second episode. I don't know how. How will we be remembered? How will I be remembered? I feel like I'm writing a story living every day with them, you know. Uh, I can say things, but their experience of me is probably what will stick. Yeah. More or just as much or, or yeah. give meaning to the words. And so I reflect on like what what is the what's the story that I'm I'm living out? Um I hope that it's something like uh you know, it's it's important that you're here. It's okay that that you you have dreams. They matter. Your hopes matter, um, and and I I think all of that is tied up in both like family life and professional life. You know. Yeah. Um, it feels bigger than I'm able to communicate. Yeah. But I, yeah. You that, know. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. For me, you know, you're talking about saying those things to your kids. I think the, the biggest help for me was my wife during that time. Like, because I would tell her how, you know, how tough it was and mm-hmm. how bad I felt about mm-hmm. being gone because of a full time job and grad school, blah, 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 blah. We're all mm-hmm. busy. But, you know, she always said, like, she just needs to spend more time with you. Mm-hmm. Once she, once you're done with this, you'll be able to make up for all that lost time that's killing you. Mm-hmm. And she was right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> once grad school out in life, you know, reverted back to uh, a little bit more of the old normal than the, the mm-hmm. current normal that it was. Mm-hmm. It took time. Um, but to add on to that, you know, you're talking about telling your kids, I'll be back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One thing that I did um, was I made email addresses for each of my girls when they were born. Um, so they would have their actual names as their email instead of. Something with a million numbers on it come, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years down the line. Whatever. Yeah. And I would send them emails all the time from current me for future them oh. um, with stories and, you know, thoughts and feelings and pictures and, and stuff that, you know, as long as they don't lose those passwords, <laughs> they'll, they'll get it's at one some point. That's of the coolest point.
0: things I've ever heard. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. I know, I knew somebody. It's jarring a memory. Who wrote letters to his daughter and put him in a shoebox and gave mm-hmm. him to her? This may be a movie. I don't think it is, though. I think it's somebody I actually knew. Yeah. Um, it, he wrote letters in order to give to her on, on her 18th birthday. Yeah. Man, if this is a rom com, I'm going to be so frustrated because I think this man actually exists in the world.
1: I know where I got my idea. Where? It was actually from a Google ad. I don't remember when it was, but it really? before my, my oldest was born. Yeah. yeah. And there's a Google ad where this, where this father was t- sending videos to his, uh, you know, to his daughter. Wow. Yeah. And I,
0: do you know. still write in it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I still do it. That is
0: so cool. Mm-hmm. I cannot, can you, I'm sure you have imagined, can you imagine when they get that email address and they open it? Yeah. A, and there's just years and years and years of dialogue mm-hmm. from you look, especially cuz in
1: my mind it's like <laughs> i'm picturing teenage years when there's all these yeah. these fights <laughs> I'm sending look, emails look at your email it's it's <laughs> just waiting 5 years you're going to get this <laughs> lovely email from me that i already sent <laughs> no wow. but even writing it it's super weird like it's surreal cuz it's like hey this is me back mm-hmm. in 2016 mm-hmm. you're too you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wild.
0: I keep a lot of journals. Um, but I don't think I want my kids to read them till I'm gone. Uh, you know, because there's parts of um, who we are as parents that, are, you know, kids, you're just not going to have access to those internal thoughts, those internal feelings, mm-hmm. you know. Um. And they don't have context for you. Yeah. But I hope I don't lose them. That's why I like the idea of emails better because they exist in the cloud. Yeah. But um. Yeah.
1: I had another story for you, Uh but I'm gonna have to take you way back for it for a second.
0: Okay, that's fine.
1: (laughs) Before we trans transition to the second part of Jeff's question, which I also have a good story for that. Cool. You were mentioning farmers and isolation and suicide rates that we had referenced way back in episode two. Mm-hmm. As I, I believe we talked about in the last episode, I grew up in a family of farmers, and um, it's farming season or it's about to be as the weather gets warmer and um, the ground dries up. Mm-hmm. Farmers will be in the fields, and I was I was talking to my dad the other morning, and uh, you know talking about the weather, talking about getting in the fields and baseball starting and all that jazz. And I had mentioned this, um, about the difficulties that farmers face. And, you know, we had a, a pretty succinct response of like, yeah, well, never really thought about that, but it's probably why we always go to Casey's in the morning and, and congregate community. I mean, that's what my grandpa did. That's what my dad does. Like all the farmers in that, in that area, they all meet at Casey's every morning and you know, shoot the breeze, have coffee, and- have coffee, talk smack, yeah. shoot the breeze. I'm sure they go back there at lunch and not, they do go back there at lunch or sorry, <laughs> lunchtime where I'm from is at least the dairy barn. Okay. But, <laughs> like, you know, there's all these points in the day where, where mm. they're connecting with other farmers. Um, I just thought it was a cool way to, you know, bring that in the, the importance of connection, community, and, and mm-hmm. honestly, ritual. Mm
0: hmm. Do you know if they get made fun of for it?
1: Meeting at Casey's? Mm-hmm. By their children?
0: <laughs> What's one of them? <laughs> <laughs> I have a long... Uh,
1: well, I, I should a- say this. My dad was, by me. Yeah. I don't know about the other farmers.
0: I have a plethora of thoughts on the shame that can be connected to men's community-making. Mm-hmm. You know. We won't go there, though. Yeah. Go ahead with second part of Jeff's.
1: second part of Jeff's question. Yeah. And I love Jeff. Your questions are awesome. Please send more. When is the quest for meaning a philosophical one, and when is it a psychological one? Can I take first crack at this? Yeah, Okay. Please, so when you were talking about the first part of his question with meaning and purpose to mental health, mm-hmm. you used the word Stuck quite a bit okay mm-hmm. and that's something i reference with uh my clients all the time okay in the sense of and this is a story that my mentor passed down that i believe he got from Bill O'Hanlon. maybe bill made this up maybe he didn't i don't know famous famous you, family yeah. therapist yeah. for solution focused therapy
0: he, a theory he, he's living yeah don't careful there's Sorry. he's, he's not, not a he's not a, not a solution what is it? Solution-oriented. Solution oriented. Sorry, solution-oriented. Sorry, Bill. Uh, Bill O'Hanlon is one, one of a... the people that has written one of the more prominent theories that I was talking about earlier about doing family therapy.
1: For sure. Um, but to even bring it back a little further, in a, in a past episode, you reckon, you said something along, along the lines of, you know, people wait till they're down in the dumps to go to therapy. And we stopped it and said, well, you don't have to be down in the dumps to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. That's something I bring with clients all the time to tie this philosophical or psychological quest here. Mm-hmm. When we talk about clients and we have to give them a diagnosis, which we've talked about in previous episodes, right? Whether you're talking about depression, whether you're talking about anxiety, whether you're talking about post-traumatic stress, whatever it is. I like to tell clients, I don't really care what this book says about what it is that. I think you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. If I wrote it, it would be one sentence, and that is, I feel stuck. Well, two mm-hmm. sentences with the second one, I don't want to feel stuck anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and that's for me, at least when I'm when I'm reading Jeff's question. When is the quest for meaning a philosophical one, or when is a psychological one? You are referencing being stuck with philosophical questions. It's mm-hmm. so if you're feeling stuck and it's affecting your life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how do we get help? What do we mm-hmm. need to do? Yeah.
0: There's a way to think about this this idea of feeling stuck that involves looking at pretty much any way that we make sense of being here as a conversation about, we're on this path of life, we get stuck at times, how do we move past the stuck points? Yep. Um, going through my experience in in religious training and philosophical studies and those things so much of it is how do we move Mm -hmm. forward and how do we get unstuck and what do we do when we encounter crises of our identity or of meaning or something like that and just to pull back for a minute meaning when we're talking about it um, we're talking about what we're doing in this life day to day and over the long term matters to usually to someone or something outside of ourselves Mm. this is where people find a lot of meaning in their faith Yeah, Um, people find a lot of meaning in their political beliefs and the action that they, they take around politics people find a lot of meaning in their sports teams what hat were you wearing the other day, St. Louis Cardinals? Yes, should yeah, be a question. Yeah, I remembered. I answered my own question. <laughs> Sorry, not a, not a huge baseball guy. We got um, work to do. Don't worry. I <laughs> love going to games though. Yeah. Um, but there's an identity piece to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it matters that you and you you identify as a Cardinals fan, and it, mm-hmm. it means something to you. Anyway, that's what we mean by By meaning, yeah, uh, you contribute by your by your living. You matter to something outside of yourself, whether that's uh, in a faith, to God, um, to a community, et cetera, et cetera, all of that. And purpose is kind of wrapped up into that idea too. Like you're not just shooting blanks into the void every day, uh, but somehow it matters that you're here and there's there's a way that you feel that deeply so that's what we're talking about with with meaning and purpose um I forgot why why we started that talking about stuckness talking about stuckness yeah yeah, yeah.
1: quest for meaning the quest for meaning philosophical or psychological? psychological yeah yeah
0: okay so that's that's where I was going I, and I did a pulling back on okay what does meaning and purpose look like um you know for most of time those these two things weren't distinct philosophical and psychological or mm-hmm. spirituality and psychology um, I'm a huge fan of existential philosophy preach they were the first real explicit psychologists um, but all, you know philosophers throughout time religious writers throughout time they had to they talked about, what it meant to to be in the world. What it meant to be. What it meant like to be in relationships. What we do when we're struggling. What we do with anxiety. All all of the different things. Um, so this idea of being stuck and when does uh, the quest for meaning and purpose? When is it philosophical or psychological? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You pick. Yeah. You know, as a therapist, we look at functional impairment. That's yeah. what we call. it. If what you're feeling is getting. In the way of the life that you want you can come to therapy yeah no problem um if your anxiety is paralyzing you're so nervous about failing or whatever it is yeah that you're not even trying that you're not getting out of bed that you're that it's really hard to do any of those things you can't sleep it's really hard to you know come to therapy we know how to help yeah um there's a lot of philosophy around anxiety too
1: yeah uh you had to piggyback off of your your statements here, Anthony. You know, most of my favorite therapists, not all of them, but most of them, shoot, you read any of their books, the first third of it is all old philosophy. Yeah. I mean, it's tied. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. When we say philosophy, at least when I say philosophy, I think about how we understand the world and our experience in it. Um, I'm thinking of a marriage, Mm -hmm. you know. When two people stand together in a church and say the vows that are traditional to, let's say, Catholic marriage. The people in the pews that are Catholic, it means one thing. They know what's going on in a certain way. They believe it. Um, Catholic weddings involve a whole mass. So there's scripture readings, there's the Eucharist, all of the things, right? People who are Catholic, it means something to them because mm-hmm. that's how they organize their world. They understand it. People who aren't Catholic, it means something else, right? So yep. if, you're, if you're a non-Catholic at a Catholic wedding, you're looking at that and it's different, you know. You sure don't, you don't know why they're they're reciting these like very unromantic mm-hmm. and and uh, possibly robotic words to each other and yeah. why you're standing up and sitting down and yelling it's a difference in how you understand the world so when we say yeah. philosophy it's like what how do you understand the world and your part in it yeah um, so I don't know how do we how do we summarize our question our answers to Jeff's questions it's uh <laughs> It's intimately, intimately connected. And maybe if you decide that it, you're wrestling with these deeper questions is getting in the way of your daily functioning, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to come to therapy. Yeah. And you can bring in these bigger questions and we talk about, all right, how's it getting in the way yep. of, of how you want to be living your life?
1: Since we are, are spinning an episode on philosophical and existential <laughs> questions here, Let's talk about my favorite existentialist right now.
0: Mm, sounds good.
1: Yes. So rest in peace to Rollo May, dead mentor at this point. He has <laughs> yes, dead mentors are great. He has uh, a, a concept which is called his six principles of natures of reality. And I'm Love. wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if that'll fit in to kind of tie this episode together. So first. <clears throat>
0: Uh, you mentioning Dead Mentors made me think of the, the movie Dead Poets Society. Have you seen it? Robin Williams? I haven't.
1: I also just, for the first time in my life, recently watched Good Will Hunting.
0: Hmm. That's such a good movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: I had a uh. friend who made fun of me for that and also not seeing Rudy. Oh. Whatever. Well. Well. I'm knocking <laughs> him off the list.
0: Remember the Titans is better than Rudy. Um Controversial statement. Um, hot take. <laughs> hot take sports talk show. Oh yeah. Hot take, hot take, hot take.
1: Maybe we should that should be our, our side podcast. Uh, hot, take oh, hot take therapist edition. Oh, hot take
0: therapist edition. One minute or less. Tell me why feelings are cool, Marshall!
1: <laughs> because there makes you
0: alive, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, Dead Poet Society yeah uh, I wanted to watch it for a long time never did oh, I made a decision to watch it one night when I was up way too late thinking about way too deep of things and I was like, hey I've heard this this, this uh, Dead Poet Society is an important movie and I was on a Robin Williams kick mm. um, and so I watched it, and one way of looking at it is, um, what does it look like when a young man, I don't want to give too much away. So the context is Robin Williams is a uh, English teacher at a high-end prep school.
1: I think it's okay if you give too much away. This movie came out like 30 years ago. I know, but still, <laughs> whatever.
0: Uh, I'm not going to give too much away. Okay yeah Um, uh, yeah Robin Williams uh, new English professor at a very prestigious boys school Um, and he brings a completely different look at literature and life than Mm -hmm. what's okay in that school and essentially it's the freedom of choice Um, and he uh, talks about Uh, how when he was at that school, him and his friends went to this cave and read poetry Mm. and acted and just had this vibrant life together. And so it rekindles. And uh, one of the main characters, probably the main character, um, really latches onto this idea. And he's under a bunch of pressure from his family, especially his dad, to go to medical school, I think, or Mm law school, I can't remember. Um, But he ends up uh, acting in a play. And uh, his dad is not okay with it and he does it anyway and the consequences are uh crushing
1: yeah listen to episode two listen to
0: episode two. <laughs> yeah but it's in it's pretty incredible representation of what some of what we're talking about you know? yeah um there's a lot of cheese in that movie too it's i think it's an early 90s movie or something anyway mm-hmm. powerful powerful stuff uh, anyway, talking about Rollo May, and uh, what was the fancy term he used? Natures of reality. N- natures of
1: reality. Or nature. Nature of reality.
0: Six pr- principles of the nature of reality. Yeah,
1: concept of courage.
0: Once again, I say woof. Yeah. That's a, that's a fancy word, fancy term. Very intense. He's a therapist, or he was a therapist, who talked about big questions. Um, I think we had identified one that we were interested in talking about or at least i don't know if it was one or a connection of one um but in that chapter he talks about how people try to kind of have a center in Mm -hmm. their life in their life and how they they view themselves in the world sort of like a core of themselves maybe in some circles we could call it a soul yeah some sort of center uh, where their identity is located or preserving some sense of self. Yeah, what
1: what their experiences
0: mhm mhm one of the things that he talks about when he's talking through that is this idea that uh struggles, mental health symptoms, depression, anxiety, anger, substance abuse, you name it, yeah. rather than looking at them as failures or um weakness, mm-hmm. or failures in character or uh I don't know, less than, mm, yeah, whatever. Looking at it as an attempt to preserve your center at all costs. Um, so, if you think there's no hope in the world for you, you shrink your world so that you can tolerate not feeling hope. Yeah. You know, one of the big things with depression is isolation. Mm-hmm. When you're feeling depressed, you isolate. Looked yeah. at one way, it's like. Oh man he's just not around anymore he's not engaging he just doesn't have the desire to work hard enough to, to, to show up yeah another way to look at it is look at him fight for his life hmm how can I meet him there yeah um, yeah anger could be seen in a very similar way you know one way to look at it it's ah, he's out of control he's ridiculous um, he's too emotional he's not safe to go by um, another way to look at it though is wow look at him rage against the hopelessness that he's experiencing Mm -hmm. or look at him trying to grasp at some sense of of um clarity in in the way that he's experiencing the world right now because it's he struggles so much you Mm -hmm. know so you can switch your lens on people's struggles yeah um in order to look at it from a place of like compassion and and uh I don't know survival. You want to call it that?
1: Yeah. <coughs> I mean to kind of piggyback off of you here, Anthony. For all the listeners out there, it's like think of the things that you do on a daily basis, um, whether it's behaviors or feelings or emotions or thoughts that bring you back to your experience, bring you back to your baseline, bring you back to your normal. Like how all those things start to, you know, you talk about being centered, right, in your mm-hmm. own experience therapist, we call it homeostasis, right? What are the things that bring you back
0: mm-hmm.
1: to your experience in this world that make you what you are at this point in time?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had, uh, a lot of thoughts around feelings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ironic, I suppose. Um, I, have, I have thoughts about feelings. And I have feelings about thoughts. And I have feelings about having thoughts about feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, um, uh, so often when people come to therapy and are struggling, the barrier between where they want to be and where they are is experiencing the emotions that are involved in what they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I both do a lot of couples therapy. Yeah. One of the biggest things in couples therapy is being able to feel the feelings that are associated with the struggles that are happening in the relationship. Yeah. If I feel betrayed, I can tell you, I feel betrayed. But if I actually experience that feeling of being betrayed in front of you, things might happen. Like I might cry. I might get angry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be wide open. I'm available. I'm accessible. Um... Who wants to be available and accessible when they don't feel safe? You know anyone?
1: Mm-hmm. You do? I'm thinking.
0: I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know anyone. Yeah. I mean, it's survival, right? Yeah. Like, uh, here, let me show you my heart. Let me show you everything that I hope for, or dream for, and my deepest feelings. And I'm just going to love the fact that you're going yeah. to tear me tear me apart for it. Stop on those feelings. Absolutely not. You know. Um, but I also don't know anybody that, when they get, when they feel safe, when they feel connected, when they feel like they're valued, that they mean something to the other person who doesn't take the risk of opening up and being being available or, or being vulnerable. This word that gets thrown around. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be vulnerable with me. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? Being open and available. What's well, at risk if you're open and available? Just everything. You can get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just everything. everything. Whatever. You can get hurt. You can get uh, taken advantage of. You can be. Uh, you can be left. I don't. The only thing that I know more painful than being isolated is not feeling isolated and then being isolated afterwards. You know what I mean? Are you trying to explain being abandoned? It, there you go. That's better. <laughs> Being abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't want to be abandoned. It's terrible. Yeah. And if we've been abandoned once or rejected once, we build up a version of the world where it's not going to happen again. Right. Yeah, period. You know? Um, and then we have a partner or kids mm-hmm. or friends that are asking us to allow... Ourselves to be vulnerable to being abandoned again. Remember when we were talking about what we can do to help people when they're struggling or friends come to us? And, mm-hmm. um, maybe try not to be the one that abandons somebody after they open up. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a good way to think about what to do. Um, so another book I'm reading right now, uh, Matters of Death and Life by Irvin and Marilyn Yalom. Marilyn, right? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The, husband and wife, they wrote this book together while she was dying. Um, Irvin Yalom is a therapist, existential psychotherapist. Big deal in our field. And she was a, a, a very prolific uh, feminist writer. And so they had incredibly prolific careers mm-hmm. apart from each other. Uh, and then they wrote a book together she was dying from cancer Um, in the introduction though he had a quote that essentially um, captured this idea I don't remember it verbatim um, but it is uh, what I wrote down and how it stuck with me is mourning is the price we pay for loving deeply mourning is the price we pay for loving deeply Um, that strikes me because we have to calculate that it's worth the grief at the end of it all mm-hmm. to love deeply. We have to we have to place our bet on this being open, this being connected, being vulnerable, yeah, um, which again means being accessible to both connection and pain that <laughs> we're gonna mourn the loss of that eventually, yeah that's heavy that's really heavy and especially if we ha- we've had experiences before where we've had to mourn the loss prematurely where we trusted the world and the people in it mm-hmm. and then they then it didn't go well we got left abandoned rejected I'm thinking of bullying right now
1: yeah see I was I mean you start talking about y'all i start, start thinking of death even when you say things happening too soon I wasn't even thinking about people's choice but you know life has a a funny way of happening sometimes
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not just you know our circum our our interactions could be our circumstance
0: yeah and i think though um yes there's that inevitable like we could lose somebody unexpectedly and that would be terrible but then there's these micro experiences that we have um or maybe not so micro like again a bullying yeah Or trying to be a part of a group or a community and it doesn't work and we get rejected you know Mm -hmm. Um, for those of us who've experienced trauma from our parents like the the deep pain that comes from being harmed in the most what's supposed to be the safest relationship in the Mm -hmm. world you know there's a word for that we call it attachment injuries we'll get back to that later yeah but it's essentially ruptures in the relationship between the people that we love and trust the most um maybe trying to wrap this all up the mourning that can come from loving deeply or uh, not loving deeply and realizing that that loss is there um brings up huge questions around what it means to be here what yeah. it means to be a person what it means to be me you know what does it mean to be me Anthony who am I going to ask that question to mm-hmm. um it's a, that's a big one yeah you know and how will I know how will I know that? Like, you know I don't think it's something that we dig in the sand for and we pull it out and be are like ha, here Got it is it. Anthony you know what's that book uh, um Oh gosh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What's the ultimate meaning of life? Forty-two. You know, have you seen that no. movie? Okay. Never mind. Look it up. Um, but uh, I don't know. Somehow, somehow we have to find a way to make it worth it to take the step out of what is comfortable and safe. Yeah. Um, whatever comfortable and safe looks like, and for. Uh, for us as males sometimes comfortable and safe can be incredibly isolating. Yeah. So it's probably something we should talk more about the isolating aspects of, of um, struggling with some of the more harmful parts of what it means to be male um, according to everything we talked about in episode 4 Yeah um, You know I, I feel this like deep, deep question right now. Like, tell me why it's worth it. Tell me why it's worth it to take this chance. Yeah. Um, And that brings us right to relationships. Because we're only vulnerable if there's somebody there to receive it or reject it. Mm -hmm. You know. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily feel like standing in the woods and being like, I'm vulnerable! Well, I might not believe what I just said. But even then, you have a relationship with with maybe the spiritual or whatever yeah um anyway uh tangent time but
1: I was gonna say callback time
0: callback time
1: yeah I mean What's from anything? that from that episode too you know we're broken in a relationship we heal in a relationship yeah yeah
0: yes yeah the quote that's not mine That I. Harville Hendricks Harville Hendricks dang it
1: not Anthony Milga <sighs> I'm
0: gonna make one I'm gonna make a quote that's that's only mine um Maybe it's this one. Tell me why it's worth it. There, let's put it somewhere that it becomes mine. Okay. Um, Maybe that's some of what we're doing in this project too. Is for sure. is is trying to um, invite men to ask that question. Tell me why it's worth it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sure we have to wind down. I've been in the zone. I haven't been tracking time at all. Yeah,
1: we we need to wind down. It's
0: it's that time. We have some questions, though, that we haven't gotten to about what is it, what happens when men are open, vulnerable, available for connection, and it gets rejected. We referenced that in one of the episodes, and we had a question around uh, Mm -hmm. if we could say more about that, Um, specifically when it comes to women. Now, we'll say not a woman I can't speak to women's experiences, so I can speak to what I've observed, yeah, um, and what I've heard. But oh, that's gonna have to wait. <laughs> it's time.
1: You know, we uh, we don't have a uh, time clock that's saying we'll never be able to come back to this. Maybe next. Maybe next episode. The Becoming that? Man
0: Podcast. Maybe next episode. Um,
1: all right. That being said, please rate, review, and. Share. Oh, and subscribe. And subscribe. That's yeah. One of the checklist. Yeah. Do all the to things. all your friends, families, yeah. strangers on the street. Yeah.
0: Thanks everyone for the for the feedback. It means a lot. Yeah. Um. We'll talk to you next week. Be well. This is the Becoming Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Melke, here with co-host Marshall McElhaney integrating our knowledge and experiences family therapists husbands fathers and men we explore a wide range of topics from a masculine perspective including mental health relationships fatherhood and meaning making in today's ever-evolving world thank you for listening and welcome to the show